0: This is, once again, another episode of On This Day in History. We're going back 365 days ago to December 21st, 2018. And uh, basically, we're doing the same thing. We must be synced up in weeks because it's the same kind of thing that we did uh, today, looking at uh, the Minnesota Vikings, but we're looking at the New York Jets. Nothing super crazy news-wise happened. But again, it's always kind of fun, at least for me, to go back and listen to what the thought process was and what things were like back then. So if you're interested in that, if if that intrigues you in any way, then this is going to be a very fun podcast for you. If not, then uh, again, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Pack Go! In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Anyways, let's dive in. First of all, we'll go right to the injury report because that's where we live now. Brian Balaga apparently tore his MCL but is scheduled to play, and I don't really understand that. I mean, it's one of those things where I could go in a lot of different conspiratorial directions with that, right? I mean, if we wanted him back next year, we'd probably be looking to take care of him a little better than we are. We're pushing him with a torn MCL to play in a meaningless game. I don't know. Kind of just not cool. We could also... Push that in the direction of saying maybe Rogers is playing, and we're really more concerned about protecting him than we are Brian Balaga. Something else that we could say, or we could just say that the doctors say he's fine, and I just don't understand that MCL tears are different than ACL tears, and he's worked through it because this was like two. This was like back in Arizona that he tore it, so maybe he's fine now. I don't know. Could have been very minor, and they put a brace on him, and he'll be fine. I don't know. Just saying, it seems very weird to me. I mean, I I I feel like. T- As soon as you hear Torn MCL, it's like, oh, IR, there you go. But that's not what's happening. And as I said, anytime I see something that strays from what I would consider to be common sense, there you go. Uh, Kenny Clark, uh, I'm going to try to stop talking about him. He keeps popping up on here because they don't put him on IR. He's not going to play the rest of the year. The only reason I'm mentioning him, uh, he was in the news. Apparently, he had some kind of a toy drive, and the toys were stolen. So that's bad. uh, I don't know. This is kind of in and in the, in, in the area of where my rant was, so I don't really want to explore it too much. I'm not trying to sound cold. I'm just trying to keep myself from going a little crazy. But you know, bad people do bad stuff. everything will be fine. It's one of the great things about first of all, Kenny Clark and the Packers being very wealthy and then living in uh, one of the most prosperous and wealthy nations in the history of the known universe. They already got to go fund me up. I'm sure everything will be fine. The kids will be taken care of. It's too bad. somebody had to do something that is that ridiculous. But uh, everything will be fine. Randall Cobb still did not practice. Jimmy Graham has gone from DNP to LP, which means he's limited, which is what we expected. He's going to play. Jay Kumero, J- 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 still limited with a hand thing. Lucas Patrick and J.K. Scott have gotten over their illnesses, which is good for not just them but the entire team. Will Redmond still not practicing. Aaron Rodgers still full participation. Jason Sprague still didn't practice. Jamal Williams still limited with a toe injury. So, my thought on Aaron Rodgers, and this is kind of, it's kind—it's of, such a weird thing right now. I still haven't heard anything from the team officially, but Aaron Rodgers has definitively said he's going to play, and he's full participation in practice. It seems to me like, as I said, you've got certain people that want to shut him down, but are kind of wanting there to be an official reason, like maybe they were hoping this groin thing was a little bit worse and they could kind of pull him. However, he's full participation, meaning I guess he's doing all right. Now, we can go full-scale conspiratorial and say they're hoping he gets hurt in practice. You know, just tweaks it a bit. Oh, oh, listen, I'm not talking about hoping he breaks his neck in practice. I'm just saying if you kind of re-aggravate the groin, it's like, all right, man, we got to sit you. It's not not talking about like Dr. Evil here. But beyond the conspiracy theories, it's really just going to come down to the only way Aaron Rodgers doesn't play is if somebody has some guts and steps up and says, listen, I know the fans, a lot of fans aren't going to like it. I know the media isn't going to like it. I know Aaron Rodgers isn't going to like it. I know the team isn't going to like it. I don't care. We're going to do the right thing, and we're going to shut you down. And I really think that's going to come down to the wire a little bit, because as it stands right now, Aaron Rodgers just has the the reins. Aaron Rodgers is in control of this. He's saying, I'm healthy, I'm playing, that's it. And he's very vocal about it. I am playing. This is what's going to happen. He knows he doesn't have necessarily he doesn't he doesn't have control over that. He doesn't make that decision. But he's posturing and he's throwing his weight around and he has a lot of weight in that team. He's got a lot of pull and he's pulling real hard. And he's basically stepping up and saying don't you dare. The question is, do they dare? And I think from Philbin's perspective, he knows he's not going to be here for very much longer. I don't know where his allegiances lie. You could say he wants Aaron Rodgers to play because if they win, he looks better, but I I don't know. I mean, Things are what they are. Again, what does beating the Jets do to help you get a job next? You know, n- next year. I think Philbin can get an offensive coordinator job next year. I don't think he's going to get a head coaching job next year, but he's got a, a really good resume, an extensive resume. Resume, very intelligent. You know, especially when you look at the lack of availability. I mean, you're looking for offensive coordinators to become head coaches. We can't even find offensive coordinators to be offensive coordinators. Looking at you, Lafleur. Right, you got guys that were being groomed to be coaches that aren't even going to be coordinators next year, so I think there's going to be a void of head coaches as well as offensive coordinators because the few that are somewhat talented might get promoted to head coach. So I think he'll be fine. So really, it just comes down to Brian Gutekunst has to kind of man up and do the right thing, or he's just going to step down and say, "I I'm not going to do that." You know, if he gets hurt, I'll pull him, but. If he's ready to go and he wants to go and he wants to do this and that and be tough guy and lead his team and all that kind of stuff, I'm not going to intervene. But I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know what he's going to do. And I'm still kind of waiting because it's kind of like okay, Corral stuff going on. You know Brian Gutekunst wants to shut him down. You know that. And you know Aaron Rodgers is forging ahead full speed to play. Got an unstoppable force and an an immovable object. And in a way, it's kind of telling about the future because as I think it was Aaron Nagler was the first one that pointed out, he or at least reminded us all of the quote um, from Winston Moss, talking about how kind of alluding to the fact that Aaron Rodgers is really in charge over there and how this sort of lends credence to it because it kind of does. All right, Aaron Rodgers is saying, I am playing. The right thing to do is shut him down. Who's going to step up and do the right thing? And again, I, I don't know that I can expect Philbin to do the right thing because he has his entire career and his life on the line here, and losing does not help him. However, the right thing to do is shut him down, and somebody, whether it's Philbin or Gutekunst or Murphy, needs to man up and do the right thing, and I don't know if they're going to do it. I don't know if they got the guts to stand up to Rodgers, and that's kind of scary. And I know there's more things at play here, right? They got rid of Jordy. They got rid of all kinds of people. They they don't really care that much about Rodgers. He's not that much in control, but it is a little bit telling. There is at least a line where they won't cross. Aaron Rodgers has said something and and drawn a line in the sand and said, don't you dare cross this, and apparently they're going to step down. I mean, I guess we'll see, but um, I don't know. Pretty interesting. And by interesting, I mean horrifying nightmare. But anyways, uh, let's dive into the Jets right quick. So this is actually pretty similar to the Chicago Bears, but I would say it's um, to a lesser degree. In other words, this is a team whose strength is defense and weakness is offense, but the defense is nowhere near the Chicago Bears. The offense is even worse than the Chicago Bears. All that leads me to believe that there's no reason the Packers shouldn't win this game, but I still have to look at this for what it is. I have to look at a Packers offense that is decimated and inept, that has to try to score on the road, you know, on the, you know, I don't want to say the other side, there is no other side of the country for, if you live in the middle of the country, but all the way over in New York. It takes a couple hours to get there, flying there or whatever, hour and a half, I don't know. But these guys have to find a way to try to score points against this defense. And again, it's not a super elite defense. If you look at their stats, it's nothing super impressive, but it's a relatively impressive group. The only other question then is, can their offense score on our defense? And despite how inept our defense can be at times, I'm just looking at this offense and I don't know how they ever score points. But we'll get into strategy and all that stuff tomorrow. Today, I just want to go over them in a nutshell, just to give you a general overview of kind of who and what they are. First of all, they do have a record of 4-10. and 10. They beat the Detroit Lions in week one. Denver Broncos in, let me move this so I can see what I'm doing here. In week five, the Indianapolis Colts. In week six, and most recently, they beat the Buffalo Bills in week 14. But uh, that was a six-game losing slide that they were on there, including losing to the Bills um, at home. Uh, most recently, they lost to the Houston Texans last week, 22 to 29. Uh, interestingly enough, a lot of these games are relatively close. So 22 to 29 is is pretty. I think if it's within seven, it's still you know as long as it's a one-point game, I'm willing to call it close. They lost to the Titans 22-26. to That's only four points. Uh, Patriots obviously blew them out because, duh. Buffalo Bills actually blew them out, which is pretty shocking. Uh, Miami Dolphins, they lost 6-13. to So defense did their job, but again, offense just not able to get it going. Chicago Bears 10-24 to got blown out. Minnesota Vikings 17-37 got blown out. But if you look, first of all, they've been over 20 points the last three weeks in a row. And this isn't against inept... Uh, teams. The Houston Texans are a really good defense. They were able to get 22. Buffalo Bills, not super great, but still decent. 27. Tennessee Titans. The strength of that team is their defense. 22nd. In fact, the the uh, Tennessee Titans are ranked second in the NFL in points allowed. The Houston Texans are ranked fifth. And I know 20 some points isn't a lot, but this is a team who had a hard time getting to 20 for about six weeks in a row. Suddenly they go up against the number two and number five defenses in the NFL and they're putting up 20-ish points. The one time they face a mediocre defense, which is the Bills as far as points, yards, they're second in yards. Second in yards, 18th in points, they put up 27 points in one. By the way, their bye week was week 11. So with the exception of the New England Patriots in which they only scored 13 and got beat by 27, which is pretty consistent. Defense gave up 27, 26, 23, 29. The offense has been able to generate something. And I don't want to get too you know, invested in 20 points. But let's just look at the scores that they had. Aside from a couple blowouts, 48 against the Lions, 42 against the Colts, here's their scores prior to their bye week. 12, 17, 12, there was a 34. I should have included that. It's another blowout. 17, 10, 6, and 10. So 12, 17, 12, 17, 10, 6, 10. With the exception of three games in which the offense just absolutely went psychotic which, by the way, be on the lookout for that because they're due one. With the exception of those, though, it's, it's they can't get to 20. Three games prior to their bye, they didn't get more than 10. 10, 6, and 10. And that's Bears, Dolphins, Bills. I can understand getting 10 against the Bears, but the Dolphins and the Bills? You got 6 against the Dolphins and lost? And again, you come out of your bye. You lose to the Patriots because it's the Patriots, the divisional foe. They're always going to stomp you. But then Titans, great defense. You get 22, which is a lot for the, for them. The Bills, 27, which is a ton for them. And then the Texans, again, great defense. They got 22. So what I'm saying is they seem to be doing a little bit better if we're just looking at what they've done over the last couple weeks here, at least as far as offensive production. There's also a lot more consistency with the defense. If you look at the defense beforehand, 17, 20, 21, that's pretty decent. Then 31, all of a sudden they get blown out, and that was by the Jaguars. Where did that come from? Then 16, then 34 from the Colts, 37 the Vikings. 24, 13, then 41 from the Bills, All right? So you, either, you got like sub-20, and then you got like 30s and 40s. After the buy, what is it? 27, 26, 23, 29. We're getting a little more consistency. Right, this is a team that's kind of, I mean, you know, relatively small sample size, but consistency is kind of what you want to see from a team at the end of the year. They're developing something. Now, this isn't a very good team. But this is what you expect from some teams, especially teams that have winning records. You want to see this this kind of hardening process that takes place at the end of the year. It's, it's a good indication of a team that has potential to go deep into the playoffs. Like You're starting to see more consistency. There's less volatility because, again, you got to win consistently in the playoffs. And if you have volatility, one of those games is going to hurt you. You need to see that hardening process. And that, I just feel like that's maybe what the Jets are going through. Their hardening process is different than a Super Bowl champion team where you're consistently getting high 20s, consistently, you know, whatever. There's a discrepancy between how much you score and how much you allow. This team is consistently scoring about 24-ish and consistently consistently giving up about 26-ish which isn't a recipe for winning, but still, that consistency is there. And it's it's somewhat scary for the Packers because the one thing we don't have is consistency. It's why a team as talented as the Packers, as loaded with talent as the Packers are, at least in certain positions. I know we're devoid in a lot of other positions. But there's a lot of really top-tier talent just spread about this team, but it's not really coming together because we don't have that sort of that unity, that bond, that forming that happens at the end of the year. In fact, things are... are disparate they're sort of going apart so that has me a little bit worried I you know again this is the Packers are the better team there's no question about it but you take the injuries you take the the scores of the Jets and the fact that maybe something's kind of clicking nothing spectacular is clicking but something is happening and then you look at the Packers who just continue to get worse every single week whatever looking at uh, overall from pro football focus here um, and again as you get later in the season, the overall doesn't really matter. It's why I kind of switch over to looking at week by week. But I want to give you the overall just for now anyways. They're currently ranked 21st. Their offense is ranked 30th. But their defense is ranked 6th. Now, you wouldn't expect that because if you look at their stats, points allowed their 24th, yards allowed their 22nd. But that's a situation where the talent exceeds what they're doing on the field, which is one of those things we talked about a couple of weeks ago where I'm looking at that defensive coordinator and saying, we may need to move on. And I looked into him. He's been there quite a long time, about five years or so, I believe. There's talent on this defense. They're just not producing. 24th in points, 22nd in yards. But again, you switch over to pro football focus, which tells us what. It's an aggregation, essentially, or a, an averaging of their all the players brought together. So if you take all the players and their grades and you you know, sum it up into one grade, they're sixth. Should be the 6th best defense statistically based on their talent, which is 6th according to Pro Football Focus, and instead they're like bottom of the barrel on defense in terms of production. Massive gap there. They need a lot of help as a defensive. They need a new defensive coordinator. That's that's just definitively they need that. I'm going to leave that at that for the overall. I want to switch over here really quickly to um, sort of the week-by-week look. Um, If you look at their overall grades here, I would say there is a little bit of movement. The last four weeks is kind of a, uh, it really is, a, It theres it, it's just different. And it's different consistently, right? So the, their best game ever was week one against the Detroit Lions. That was great. as very good. It was the only game that was really considered very good. There were two that were close, week five and week 14 against the Buffalo Bills. But if you look at weeks, oh man, I don't know. So so for example, week one was their best week, and then they went into average, 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 and then very good, and then good, and then average, 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 or above average and average. The last four weeks, they've been above average, above average, very good, above average. So again, there's sort of that, it's they're not good, but there's that sort of consistency. Like they haven't dropped down into average or less pretty much all year. And they, they've they only had actually one below average game overall, right? We're not talking specifics. We haven't broken it down quite yet. Offense is similar, right? They have a terrible offense. Um, If if you look the real bad stretch between weeks four and weeks ten, after the bye, um, they've had three games that were above average, which for the offense isn't bad. One game that was below average, which is pretty par for the course for them. So even though, again, it's not good, you're starting to see a little bit more consistently kind of average, which might be worth something. Um, The biggest thing we're looking at here is the quarterback. Now there's still a ton of volatility. but his, his second best game of the year came against the Houston Texans. Now considering his volatility, I would expect that, I don't expect that to continue because his best game ever was against the Indianapolis Colts. He was considered elite. He followed that up with like his, I don't know, fourth worst game of the year. It was terrible against the Minnesota Vikings. It was just a joke. But he's had two pretty decent games in a row now. If you look back over the last four weeks, where I've been saying it kind of makes the biggest difference, he was below average, he was really bad against the Titans, he was good against the Bills, and he was elite against the Texans. So I mean, the, the ability's there, there's no question, and unfortunately for him, he doesn't have a supporting cast. You know, I think you see the flashes when you see those really high scores and things like that. That's that. I, I don't know, I haven't watched, but I have to assume that's a lot of that has to do with the upside of Darnold. This guy has a terrible offensive line. He has no wide receiver way. He just has nothing. He has absolutely nothing. Pass blocking, not a lot there. It's been pretty consistent. Uh, Receiving has been consistently whatever. I mean, you do still see that sort of consistency pop up, but I wouldn't say it's necessarily better or worse. I think at the beginning of the year, things were better uh, weeks one through six things looked pretty good 7 through 10 before the bye things really fell apart now we're starting to see kind of somewhere in the middle but again consistency we're seeing above average average above average above average and i really think if i'm the jets i just want consistency to beat the packers because the packers will find a way to beat themselves just stick in the game stay in the game keep pushing keep grinding defense keep putting them on their heels look for those sacks look for those picks look for those opportunities Again, not wanting to talk too much game plan, but I just think that would be the smart thing, more than anything. Of course, if you want to put up 40 points, you got it in the bag anyways, but I, I wouldn't. That wouldn't be my game plan. Uh, as far as running the ball, things are not getting better. That's, if anything, they're getting slightly worse, but that's been relatively consistent, and their run blocking is abysmal, just like pretty much every team. They haven't had a above-average blocking game since Week 9, so the offensive line is just really terrible. Pass blocking is, is I guess, not quite as bad, but it's a bad offensive line. Defense, however, is a different story. Uh, the defense has had a lot of really good games. Very inconsistent. If you look at weeks 2, 3, 8, um, 12, 13, not super great. right? The, the only bad game they've had was week 3 against the, the Browns. They've had a lot of average games. However, the last two weeks, they've been really good. The best game they had, the only elite game they had, was week 9 against Miami. But the last two weeks against Buffalo Bill, Buffalo Bills, not Buffalo Bill, uh, have been have been very good games and I, I mean that using my actually yeah the Houston Texans is technically good based on my vernacular but uh, the biggest thing here is their run defense the run defense the last two weeks has been elite two weeks in a row they've only had one other elite game that was week nine against my uh, the Miami Dolphins to start the season that was very inconsistent through weeks eight they had basically two very we'll, we'll just call it three good games through the first eight weeks since then They've had one average game, two good games, three elite games since week nine. This run defense, has, they're figuring something out, and they're really scary. And considering we don't have Aaron Jones, and considering Jamal Williams is, is hurt, and we might be running with bibs, I don't know who our running back is going to be in this game. That's a problem, right? Again, don't want to get into it too much, but just thinking schematically how hard it is when you take away an entire phase of the game like running the ball, even a secondary one. It's still very difficult if you're entirely one-dimensional, especially when that one-dimension is something you've struggled with all year, finding consistency in the passing game. makes it very easy for the defense. They can go into their nickel, they can go into their dime, they can play pass all game long knowing that their front and their linebackers can handle whatever we can give them in the run game because they are supremely talented with what they have. We are supremely inept with our run blocking, with our running backs. Right? So then they go pass-heavy, and we got to try to pass against a team that's not a terrible defense, that does have quality players, including at corner, including at safety, and we got to try to find a way to pass on them. Um, not a bad tackling team. It's a pretty good indication of a good defense. Um, not, not elite, but at least somewhat consistent. They're ranked ninth on the season. Which, which means something, right? I mean, we're talking about discipline. We're talking about those kinds of things. Yes, the last two weeks have been pretty solid. I mean, the defense the last two weeks across the board has been solid. The tackling has been great. The pass rush has been on point. Not not elite. They don't have very good outside line. Or what are they? 4-3 to 3-4. They're base 3-4. So, yeah, their outside linebackers aren't very good. But um, in, in week 14 against the Rams, that was really, really solid. Their coverage the last two weeks has been pretty good. I mean, In fact, it's been relatively good all year. It was definitely better at the beginning of the season. Well, I I shouldn't see That's That's the thing again. You get those sort of flashes at the beginning of the year. Now we get more consistency, even though you don't get like the top end. So week one, they were pretty close to being an elite coverage unit. Week seven against the Vikings elite, but they also had three weeks in a row of being pretty poor. Since week eight, they've been relatively consistent between average and above average. Now you don't have those high end, like really good games, but you're also not getting these really trash games which is probably, again, going to be good enough, right? Just give me, if I'm playing the Packers, and I know they can't run the ball, and I know that we can stop the run, all I want from my coverage unit is consistently solid play. I'm going to double up Devontae Adams. I'm going to trust my guys in my nickel and in my dime. You know, we're going very light. We're just, I'm trusting these guys to be able to take away the uh, the other receivers. Finally, just to kind of really set things off, uh, they do have the number one special teams unit in the NFL, uh, linebacker, Kevin Pierre Lewis, who's actually hurt. Uh, so we'll, we'll see that could be a pretty big shot to not just their team because he does start for them as well, but, uh, their special teams, he's been very good, but they have, they have a second elite player on special teams who is defensive lineman, Henry Anderson. Uh, and then a, a bevy of other, uh, good to very good players on special teams. The punter isn't anything special, but they do have a very good kicker as well. Jason Myers is having a pretty good year. So overall a good unit. Beyond that, their return man, Andre Roberts, very, very good. Again, top unit in the NFL. Andre Roberts does their kickoff returns and their punt return. Uh, He does have one punt return for a touchdown already. Uh, He's averaging about 15 yards per return on his punts, 26.8 yards per attempt on kickoff returns. So, I mean, just, you know, it's, it's, it's not good, considering the Packers and Zook and what they've been able to do and not been able to do. Granted, I don't know that the coverage has been that bad, but just how, how inept they are in general. If you get somebody like Andre Roberts, who's having a really good year, who gets almost... I mean, he's he's getting beyond that 25 mark, so it's one of those things where you always want him to just take it out and see what he can do, because he can he can break at any play. He's getting 15 yards per punt return, which is pretty insane. I mean, this is a guy that can really make the difference, especially when you're talking about an offense like the Jets that's having a hard time getting the points. That can help them get those points. If, if Darnold only needs to get 20, 30 yards to get a field goal or, you know, 50 yards for a touchdown, you know the Packers are going to give up at some point something like that. And then if the defense can step up and get turnovers, to, the point is between special teams and defense, my goal is to give Darnold as short a field as I can. Now, granted, he can launch it from one end zone to the other, but you know, I'm, I'm not depending on the wide receivers to make that work. So anyways, let's just run through really quickly their offense and defense. So as it stands, uh, obviously their quarterback is rookie Sam Darnold. Um, he was drafted this past year, USC, very, very strong-armed guy, not quite as much as uh, I'm blanking on his name now, the Buffalo Bills guy. That guy was drafted just for his arm. But but Darnold, is, Darnold was supposed to be like the guy who's pro-ready, very, very intelligent football player. I personally didn't see it as a non-scout. I was watching him going, okay, I guess. But this is the guy that I think had maybe the highest upside as far as, you know, if you're looking for like an Andrew Luck kind of comparison, what up dance party? That was a late one, man. It's because I got started late with my rant. We didn't get the initial. That's my time to wrap it up alarm, which I always run right through. But anyways, he's very, very talented, but I think he's struggling a lot because one, he's a rookie and he got thrust into this and he's got to learn the system and all this stuff. Two, he doesn't have wide receivers. Three, he doesn't have an offensive line. Four, he doesn't have a run game. He doesn't have a tight end. He doesn't have anything to lean on. But dangerous, I would say, yes, he is. He has that ability to kind of pick apart a defense if he can kind of get into a rhythm. Becomes somewhat of a problem, right? Uh, running backs, they had Belial Powell and Isaiah Crowell. Both of those guys are on IR. As of right now, it looks like Elijah McGuire is going to be taken over. Um, he has no ability as a receiver whatsoever. I'm guessing Trenton Cannon is going to be that guy, even though he's not good at it either. Um, as a pure running back, I mean, he's just—he's average. He's just a, a, a plotter. He's, he's whatever, right? He's just a typical um, journeyman, plug-and-play kind of running back. He'll get you your three yards and, and be done. Wide receivers, we got to see if Quincy Inunua is playing. He is injured, uh, but it doesn't really matter all that much. Quincy Inunua is, even though he is probably their best wide receiver, so it does have some impact. Um, outside of that, they got Robbie Anderson, who's not very good. They've got Andre Roberts, who's not very good. And then in the slot, they got Jermaine Kurse, who's just really not very good. Uh, surprisingly, their tight end Chris Herndon might actually be their best receiver on the team, so that's something to to keep an eye on. It's also, again, somewhat unfortunate for the Packers because if there's any anything working for us, it's the fact that they don't have wide receivers. And as as good slash bad as our corners can be at times, they should be good enough to be able to handle these guys. The problem is, what do you do with a tight end? I don't know. Are we going to put Josh Jones on him? Josh Jackson on him? He's not elite. But it's, it's somewhat of a weakness for us, and um, if, if Chris Herndon can get going, you know, whatever. But uh, currently ranked as the 17th best tight end, which isn't super impressive, but he's probably better than every single one of the Packers tight ends, so yeah, there's that. Offensive line is an absolute joke. Left tackle Beecham is great at his average. Uh, the right guard, uh, Brian Winters, is also average. These are the two best uh, offensive linemen that they have. Um, Harrison, their center is below average. They got, uh, Spencer Long, who has showed promise in the past, but is just having an absolutely terrible year. And then right tackle, uh, Mr. Brent Qualley is how you say his name. It's Q V A L E. I don't know how you expect a guy whose name is Q Vale pronounced Qualley to play football well or do anything well, because that's just messed up. But, um, no, he's, he's legitimately like the worst. In the NFL right now I mean it's just it doesn't get any worse than quality so some real opportunity uh, even though we don't have any defensive linemen left and we don't have any capable pass rushers maybe Fackrell can have another three sack game I don't know Um, but just just absolutely horrible what they're working with over there in New York they need offensive help desperately flipping over to the defense um, you got Pierre Lewis at linebacker I'm only starting with him because again he's kind of hurt and I want to look at their run defense primarily uh, on the other side, they got Avery Williamson. Now none of these guys are really elite, but they're really solid kind of guys Pierre Kevin Pierre Lewis is having a pretty good year along the defensive line they got Henry Anderson. he's kind of stepped up a little bit. he's having a decent year. Leonard Williams is one of my favorite guys coming out of college. He hasn't really panned out to be an elite player, but he's been pretty steady, pretty good. Um, you could maybe call him a, a disappointment based on his production. But uh, he, he's just a massive, monstrous human being. And I, I guarantee you, if, if people aren't able to run, he's a big part of the reason why people aren't able to run. I think he came out the same year as Jadavian Clowney, which is my first year of really trying to quote-unquote scout, which really meant watching highlights most of the time. But um, very, very big, very, very dominant. Early first-round draft pick, Leonard Williams. Um, as I mentioned, on the outside, they don't have very much. They got uh, Lou Vu and Copeland. And then uh, in their base, they got uh, Jenkins, Jordan Jenkins is an outside linebacker. None of these guys are really any good. That would be, uh, obviously, offense is a bigger priority in the draft, but if they're going defense, they got to get some pass rushers at some point, just making a mental note for myself as I work through these mock drafts. I get skewered pretty good when I make those videos, man. It's, it's, uh, It's pretty crazy. I actually got thrashed by a Packers fan when I said that we needed wide receiver help because, according to him... MVS and EQ are very good wide receivers, which I kind of took issue with a little bit because I don't see how you could see that or say that, but he pointed to the fact that Aaron Rodgers missed a couple throws, so I guess we got three elite receivers. We don't have to worry about it. Congratulations, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't know. Now I know. Um, Looking at their secondary... They do have Tremaine Johnson. That was a big target for the Packers. I would say, considering the money, you could maybe call it a disappointment, but he's having a pretty good year. He's, he's currently ranked the 16th best cornerback. Um, this team would be heads and tails different without him. They've got their number one. They've got him out there. He's going to be the guy on Devontae Adams. If they didn't have him, if they didn't pay money for him, we'd probably just carve them up. But you got Johnson, who's not on Adams' level, But again, you get Johnson, you get some secondary help with the free safety or whatever the case may be, and you you just double-team them and see what the other guys can do. We'll see what happens. Um, Speaking of Roberts, their free safety is having a pretty good year. Jamal Adams was a first-round draft pick a couple years ago. He was kind of a disappointment in his rookie year. But this year, as a strong safety, is the third-best strong safety in the NFL. I feel like every week we're going up against a freakish safety. I would have thought that there could only be five top safeties. I feel like we've gone up against about nine of them. It's incredible how many safeties we've played. I feel like that's the best, the the toughest position we've played this year is safety. It's incredible. Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos and the Vikings got safeties and everybody's got safeties. Otherwise, there are other two corners. uh, The other boundary corner is Morris Claiborne. He's okay. He's mediocre. He's not, you know, I mean, when he kind of started out, he was pretty garbage. Last three years, he's, you know, again, we're getting that consistency from him. I would say in his first four years, he was either mediocre to bad Last three years, mediocre to good. Um, you know, he's okay. I, I would put him in, I shouldn't say it because a lot of people have different opinions, but I would put him in like the Bashad Breeland category. You trust him. You'll put him out there. He's 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 okay as your number two. Not to say you would never want to upgrade him or move on, but you, you can trust him. In the slot, they've got Buster Skrine. Buster Skrine's been in the NFL for a very long time. He's never been any good. Um, re- relatively mediocre, but uh, he's he's one of those mediocre to bad. This is a below average year for him. Um, gonna you know it'll depend if Randall Cobb's playing. It'll depend even if he is playing. Is he gonna be able to beat Buster Skrine? I just don't know anymore. So again, I mean, it, it really just comes down to two different things. We got a defense that's gonna be tough for the Packers, considering the ineptitude of the team, considering the regression of the team, considering the injuries on the offense. I think this is a defense that can give us a run for our money, especially on the road. And then you look at their offense, and this is something that should be very beatable. So I, I'm, I'm struggling to see either team get a ton of points. Obviously, the Packers are going to, if they can score on the Bears, they can score on this defense. But I think with a good defensive game plan, which I don't expect from the Jets, by the way, because again, the, the talent is there. I can look at this talent and say, okay, here's how they beat the Packers. However, their defensive coordinator can't seem to figure that out. Um,. But the talent is there to stop the Packers' offense. Obviously, the Packers' defense, whatever their issues might be, has plenty of talent to stop this offense. So it really just comes down to, you know, points maybe at a premium kind of game. If you get in within field goal range, I would say take the points. But you also have two teams maybe trying to show off a little bit. So you might see teams, when the right thing to do would be to kick the field goal, they're going for it on fourth because we're this is a statement game for us and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I have a feeling this is going to go like a lot of other Packers games where you're watching two teams trying as hard as they can to give the other team the victory, and then one team's just going to be terrible a little bit less. So, I don't know. I'm just... I I hate to be in a position where I'm not looking forward to a game, but I'm just not. There's, There's just... All I'm watching for is to make sure we don't lose anybody... Like, I would love to see certain people have really good games. I'd love to see Devontae go ahead and get the record. I'd love to see Jair or Jackson or Breland or whoever get a pick six or just a pick. I mean, Jair's been hunting real hard for that pick. There's some cool things I'd like to see and some of the young guys that I'd like to see really step up and do all this kind of cool stuff. But the bigger priority in my mind is please don't mess this up and win. Please don't let anybody get hurt. I don't want Belaga to get hurt. I don't want Cobb or Rodgers. I don't want anybody to get hurt. Even the guys that aren't going to be here next year have another contract they're trying to get next year. I just I just don't like it, man. I, I'm just I'm watching to make sure nobody gets hurt and the Packers don't mess up and win. And to be completely honest, I think the Packers are the better team. If I had to pick which team's going to win, I would say the Packers beat the Jets, which means we're going to drop in the draft. And I would say somebody is going to get hurt because we've got two, three, four guys getting hurt every single game. The question is, who's going to get hurt? Is it going to be Bakhtiari? Is he going to tear his ACL? Is it going to be Rodgers? Is he going to break his collarbone again or tear his ACL? Snap his ankle on a sack? That gets stuck under the offensive lineman's foot? Is Devontae going to take another shot to his helmet? Get a concussion? Do we have to see him laid out on the field again in a meaningless game like this? Just saying, I, I just... I don't know, man. I love the Packers, but if we could forfeit the season, I would do it. I'm not kidding. I would, I would give up ever watching the Packers play the rest of the season if it meant we just lose the next two games and nobody else gets hurt and gets healthy. I'm, I would do that. I would absolutely do that. Well, we got to practice with the uh, – whatever. I know, yeah, young guys need more practice. Because all the practice they got all year wasn't good enough. Not just the games, but the practices during the season. That doesn't count. And obviously, they're not allowed to do any practice in the off-season because we just assume that everybody just goes dormant because we don't see them in the news. That means they're sleeping in the off-season. They don't have the ability to train, to rehab, to work with uh, trainers on their positional drills and skills and work with their coaches on, here's what I want you to do as far as your diet and your exercise and here's the things I want you to focus on. They can't do any of that stuff in the offseason. No, no, no. That has to happen in a game setting. It has to be. Whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to get into that. Good enough. We're calling it good. It's Friday. I hope you all enjoy your Friday. We got Christmas next week. I do intend to be doing every single day podcasts, so uh, don't expect a winter break for me. Not that I expect you to necessarily listen on Christmas, but, you know, I'm putting it out there for you if you want it. Otherwise, I hope you do you, you folks enjoy your day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.